You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Kentucky podcast. We bring you info and insights on UK football and basketball. Uh, stay informed by making us part of your morning or afternoon commute. Listen and follow for free on Apple or Google Podcasts. Simply subscribe to Locked On Kentucky. I'm Dan Reefer with Fox 56 along with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. And some some developments since we last spoke to you. Uh, Kentucky has added another player to its roster, Jacob Toppin, the Rhode Island freshman. or Rhode, uh, He's going to be a sophomore, but Rhode Island as a freshman last year, transferring to Kentucky, and of course the brother of National Player of the Year, Obi Toppin. Uh, also, this this new rule uh, or this new waiver that the NCAA has come out with uh, that changes the requirements for incoming freshmen, so uh, high school seniors or high schoolers uh, looking to graduate in spring of 2020 or summer of 2020, uh, the restrictions for or the certain uh, requirements for graduation, for eligibility at the next level, have changed. No SAT, ACT, uh, different things like that. So how does that affect reclassification for guys, you know, 2021 high school basketball prospects? So we'll discuss that as well. Uh, and then wonderful story that uh, Kyle had on, on Sean Kemp, the what if game. It was really good stuff in there. But we'll begin with, Jacob Toppin, because you have an article out there on The Athletic right now, Kyle, on him. And I don't know if if something, it doesn't look like NCAA rules for that one-time transfer rule of, of not having to sit out a year. It doesn't look like that is going to take effect uh, for this next coming season so that a guy like Jacob Toppin could play right away. So he's going to be here for a year sitting out, waiting his eligibility. So it's it's not he has no concerns about how crowded it is for guys at his size, but uh, your article says, heck, he might not even be his size right now, a year from now. Yeah. And and we don't really know. Uh, They're going to vote here. I think in May, Um, it may go into effect this year where you don't have to sit out um, or it may wait until next year. Uh, He didn't know. I don't think they really know yet. Um, I think they took him fully, you know, accepting that he might well have to sit out a year. And he was uh, an interesting thing he said was he was for that because of the benefit that he could get out of it. Um, Because I think probably the intriguing aspect of taking a kid like this, and you look at his stats last year as a true freshman at Rhode Island, he averaged 5.1 points and 3.9 rebounds. It's kind of okay. What, what is there to get excited about? Well, I guess I would say it is this. Uh, his father was a six foot eight New York City playground legend, Rucker Park and Dickman Park, uh, who had the nickname Dunker's Delight because uh, <laughs> he was such a high flying dude. Uh, at one point, was a top five JUCO scorer nationally, an ABA All Star, um, and then obviously his older brother is Obi Toppin, who and and he just won consensus national player of the year in college basketball, but he was totally under the radar. Um, and Jacob told me that he and Obi had their growth spurts exactly at the same points uh, in their lives. They were both six, two high school juniors, then six, four as high school seniors, 
then 6-6. They both went to prep school, 6-6 during their prep school years. Uh, and they each got to 6'8 and 190 pounds uh, by their freshman year of college. Um, and then Obi redshirted at Dayton. And during that redshirt year, he grew another inch and got to 220 pounds and became a monster. Um, yeah. And so that's where on the track we are now with Jacob Toppin. Um, and he didn't redshirt. And he said that Obi got a ton out of that. He kind of grew up and got physically um, stronger. And that's kind of what made him what he became. And I didn't get that. And so if I do have to sit out a year, I'll, I'll spend that whole year working on my body and adding weight and getting stronger. Um, and then the, maybe the most intriguing thing uh, when you think, when you take into account the bloodlines is that he said his doctor told him his growth plates are still open, uh, which uh, we were talking about this before we came on air and your bones. If you look at it on an x-ray, it looks almost like a fracture. You have a little gap there while you're still growing when you're a kid for the most part. And in that gap, as you grow that, you can add more bone and that's how you get longer and taller. Um, His growth plates are still open. So his knees ache uh, right now. And the doctor said, that's not an injury. It's another growth spurt. That's Uh, growth. And that he could, you know, get to be six ten or seven feet tall. And when you think about the fact that he might sit out, I mean, Kentucky might sign a six, eight kid before he ever takes the court. He's six (laughs) 11. Um, you know, and can jump out of the gym. The other thing is the other genetic piece of this is his dad was, I told you a crazy dunker, high flyer. Dunker's delight. Um, his brother, Obi Toppin, maybe the most exciting dunker in college basketball last year. He has, if you go find his reel, like he has like in game dunks where he goes between the legs and all this crazy stuff. Um, and I talked to not only to Jacob, but also their godfather, who was a professional basketball player himself and came up with their father. He said uh, the younger brother, Kentucky, is getting jumps higher, a couple inches higher uh, than Obi Toppin. Uh, and so and if you go watch some of his highlights, while he you know didn't play a ton last year, when he played, he had some a few eye-popping highlights. I mean, there's a couple dunks out there where he's looking down into the rim. So um, I think this is a really interesting guy for them to get, a really smart kind of guy for them to get because there's no real risk and there's huge upside if it works out. And in a time where they're really struggling with one, they're not getting as many elite, elite high school kids Two, Now we know they're battling the G league uh, to get those top kids three. They've got this environment now where guys leave here in such a hurry, even if they're not successful, like what has happened just now, they lost eight of nine guys and a few of them are going to be second round picks or not be picked at all it's probably time to start getting at least one developmental type kid every year so that you build up a roster where you actually have some guys who are, who know that they need work and are going to hang around until that work is done. Um, And that, for that reason, I see no, nothing but positive in taking a kid like this and continuing to get your five-star recruits and all that stuff and take some grad transfers, but to get a guy that and develop them yourself in your system yeah, uh, over multiple years and have a chance that he not only grows, but is, you know, a, a terrific raw athlete and learns how to play the game, add some weight like that. This could put, pay big dividends for Kentucky. No doubt about it. Now, of course, Kentucky would still like to add another transfer, but one who would definitely be eligible immediately 
which would be a grad transfer in Matt Harms, uh, the big, big dude from Amsterdam, uh, from Purdue, and several other schools in the mix. There's been some swirling buzz out there uh, indicating that he, he might commit today. That announcement could come on Friday. Maybe it's Saturday. We'll see. Uh, but would he be the only one that Kentucky would possibly add to this roster? We'll talk about that next when the Locked On Kentucky podcast continues. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. We're back here on the Locked On Kentucky podcast, and we, we just mentioned about Matt Harms. Uh, as we're talking at 2.40 on Friday afternoon, uh, the Purdue grad transfer has not announced uh, his commitment yet where he's going, his decision, but he may, uh, some point today could come this weekend. That's just some of what's out there. Uh, and clearly Kentucky needs a big guy. He would be perfect. That That's what this, this roster, what they have so far is lacking, but this new, um, uh, this new statement out from the NCAA, this development that came out on Friday is the NCAA is giving a waiver for for incoming freshmen for eligibility. And the way that high school players could exploit that is through reclassification. What the NCAA is saying is because of the pandemic and how it's affecting this particular semester, the spring semester, which normally high school seniors would go through and, and graduate, because of its effect, uh, the NCAA is not requiring an SAT or an ACT score. They're not even requiring proof of graduation. They just need players to show that they have maintained a 2.3 GPA in a core of classes, a core of subjects. Like I think there's 10 or so uh, core, like English and, you know, reading proficiency, stuff like that. So that's all they have to do. Well, of course, that makes it a lot easier for a guy in the 2021 class who's thinking about reclassifying because, you know, in those situations, what they wind up having to do is go through, you know, summer courses, take stuff in the summer and it comes down to the wire. We've seen it in cases before uh, where they're not sure if they're going to take care of business. We're all out here wondering, well, is he going to reclassify? Are they going to get him? Is he going to be able to graduate? That's not going to be a problem for some of these guys. Kentucky's looking at uh, especially big men in the 2021 class, which would be Paolo Banchero, uh, six foot nine dude, Jonathan Kaminga, big six foot eight power forward. Uh, and then this guy, Musa Cisse, uh, from, I think he's playing in Memphis. He was playing in New York city. He's from Guinea. Uh, but UK's in the mix for him as well. I mean, those are all three players that Kentucky wants. Now, uh, are they leaning Kentucky or anything like that? That's, you know, there's, there's different schools involved. There's this G League thing uh, that some of them could be interested in. But that wouldn't be there for them if they reclassified. They would have to wait to 2021 to do that. So what do you think, Kyle? Is this now an option? This thing comes out today. Does Banchero or Kaminga or Cisse start thinking differently about this now? Especially given Kentucky's need at the position. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've I've heard nothing. Uh, I've heard no buzz that they're going to push to reclassify any of those guys. Um, and I know, like Kaminga and and uh, Banchero have said they're going to stay in their classes. But that was before this all came out. I don't know. I mean, it's a 
if it if it really does simplify it, I don't I don't fully grasp the details of it. I mean, if it really does simplify it though, and it's it changes the process that much to make it um, accessible to more of these guys, maybe. Um, I certainly know. I mean, if they got a guy like if they got Paolo Banchero, uh, they would be, you know, all this uncertainty would go away. I mean, he's really good. He he could play. He could have played for them this year. Um, yeah. He certainly could next year. And if he waits a whole nother year, I mean, it won't really be fair for him to play college basketball against normal uh, guys. He's going to be <laughs> really, really good. Um, so I mean, it would it would change the game. I mean, it would make it would make Kentucky maybe a favorite, even even though it would be another freshman, and you could conceivably have them starting five freshmen. Uh, there wouldn't be have there wouldn't have been ever many better starting, you know, five group of freshmen than, you know, Devin Askew, BJ Boston, Terrence Clark, um, you know, I may I assume Keon Brooks would be in there, so that'd be a sophomore, uh, but Paolo Benchero, yeah. that'd be really good. I, I I don't I like I said I haven't heard anything that, to make me think it's going to happen, um, but it seems to from what you're saying there seems to be seems to clear the deck for it if if guys want to do it and yeah you know, i mean when a program like kentucky has such a need i mean they could if they want to make it happen right. they could certainly sell it i mean like look we can be a title contender we need us you know we need a starting five man well especially if if harms falls through if he if he doesn't uh, wind up committing to kentucky and coming here yeah if harms falls a- through they're going to start they're going to be desperate and and they're probably going to start begging people to, to come. Yeah. But the, the NCAA didn't, it's not like they set out to do this for reclassification. This is obviously because of COVID-19 and how it's affected this semester. I mean, my kids are, haven't been to school in six weeks, I think. I mean, it's, you know, so that's all over the country. So it's not normal. So graduation is different. Uh, grading is different. They're, I mean, they're not even sure you know, you think about every school district across the country, how they're deciding um, how to grade at-home work. Uh, do they grade it? What, what do you do now? So that's what this is all about is the NCAA doesn't want to sit there and go, well, you still have to have the same SAT or ACT score. Well, you didn't get the same learning um, opportunity that you had before. Uh, so, so that's what it's for is to not screw things up for the, for the kids who are about to graduate would be graduating, you know, this may and go on to play college athletics, not just basketball, college athletics, but with everything, there's a loophole. And the loophole is this reclassification idea that could, um, yeah. And, and because it's so new as we're talking, like I said, on Friday, this is, uh, as we're speaking, I think this is maybe three, four hours old. This, this actual um, release from the NCAA. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, last segment we want to talk about is the, the thing you wrote on Sean Kemp. I thought it was great. Um, uh, and it's a great time for it because, you know, it's, it's time you could sit around and think about these things. But to, to get some of the uh, information you got out of some of those guys who you talked to, about that whole Sean Kemp situation. And to think, what if that team, uh, that tremendous. So we'll talk about that next when Lockdown Kentucky continues.
This is Locked On Kentucky, your team every day. Okay, we're back here on the Locked On Kentucky podcast. And Kyle, you had told me uh, a couple weeks ago that you were working on this story about Sean Kemp. Like, what if Sean Kemp had stayed at Kentucky? And every Kentucky fan has thought about that. The whole, what if Sean Kemp? And not just Sean Kemp, but what if Eric Manuel and Laron Ellis and Chris Mills and Rex Chapman? I mean, all those are the guys who yeah. left, who were gone. And it left you with Darren Feldhouse and John Pelfrey and Richie Farmer and Sean Woods. And so to think... <laughs> about what it could have been. And then to see in your article, the quotes from Sean Sutton about it really could have been Sean Kemp still uh, staying and not leaving. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of like pieces and moving pieces to the, what if there's, there's not even one, what if there, I mean, the, the, the unifying factor, the, the, the constant in all the what ifs of that era is Sean Kemp, but there are others, you know, um, the reason that group wasn't together is because you know, Rex Chapman left because he saw probation coming down the road. And the reason probation was coming down the road is because Eric Manuel got caught uh, cheating on his ACT. Uh, and um, uh, Chris Mills' father got an envelope that mysteriously popped open at the, at the Emory facility before it got delivered uh right that uh, had a thousand dollars stuffed into it and addressed from uh, Dwayne casey the uk assistant um and so there are a lot of other factors but the, just in general just to think about what if sean kemp who very soon after was an nba superstar became a six-time all-star became known as the rain man in seattle for all his insane dunks um what if he'd played at Kentucky? And I've been, you know, this is my ninth year on the beat. And I, and ever since I've been here, people have talked to me about it. You know, I have a lot of friends that I've made a lot of friends in the area that are obviously UK fans because everyone here is. And they always talk about that. I mean, I have friends that have brought that up to me numerous times. Like, man, what if Sean Kemp had played here? <laughs> and I've always, yeah. I've sort of set out for a few years and really, especially more seriously the last couple months and, uh, and then once we, or a few months, and then once we knew that we didn't have sports, I thought this is now's the window I'm going to finally write this in um, to kind of answer that question. What if Sean Kemp had played here? And so I, I called a bunch of these people and I thought one of the more interesting things was asking all of them like, okay, well, what do you remember about him? They all told the exact same story. And each of them yeah. had a few different details, but the story was that in the summer of 88, when Sean Kemp was here, and for people who don't know, probably should have set the table there. Uh, Kemp was one of the four or five best high school players in America. McDonald's all American uh, okay. led, led the McDonald's game in scoring uh, probably would have won MVP, except he was on the losing team. And the MVP in that game was Alonzo morning. Yeah. Um, he comes to campus. He's a prop 48 kid. He, he didn't uh, qualify academically. So he was going to have to sit out his first year at Kentucky. Um and during or at least time, the first semester, if he, he could have got his grades up by the second semester, is that how it works? Okay, with, with prop because prop forty eight yeah. is not even a thing anymore, right? Um, and so he uh, was practicing with the team and uh, playing pickup that summer. And every every person to a man told me they were uh, one of the days they couldn't always get access to their uh, practice gym over at Memorial. 
So they would go over to the old alumni gymnasium, which has been gutted. And now it's a, a, a like state of the art workout facility in the really nice uh, Gatton student center here uh, oh, yeah. on campus. But back then it was an old, it is where UK basketball played for 25 years uh, in the twenties, thirties, forties, I think um, alumni gym, no air conditioning, wooden backboards. And the pros would, the guys who were pros would come back and play with them back then. And so you had, um, uh, a bunch, I just forgot, just blanked on a couple of the other guys, but the main guy was Kenny Walker. Um, why am I forgetting the other two guys? Turpin uh, and Bowie. Yeah. Turpin and Bowie. Yeah. Turpin and Bowie yeah. were there. Uh, and Kenny Walker was there and Kenny Walker had been two time SEC player of the year and all American at Kentucky. He, uh, had been starting already for two years in the NBA. He was just a few months away from winning the NBA dunk contest. He's 24 and Sean Kemp is 18. And apparently Sean Kemp just wore him out and dunked on him and trash talked him. Um, right. And everybody remembered that vividly, including uh, Kenny Walker. Uh, Kenny Walker was just like blown away by that. And I, I talked to him for the story. Uh, Didn't he say like only Jordan had dunked on him worse? Yeah. He said only jo- Jordan had dunked on him worse. He said, you know, until LeBron came along, he'd never seen a kid coming out of high school that looked like uh, Sean Kemp. Uh, I mean, got the it was Paul Bunyan esque the way people were talking about uh, what they saw from Sean Kemp back then. Um, and so, uh, you know, that was really interesting. And then, then all the different what ifs, all those guys sort of gave their version of their what if. Um, you know, there's the one where all those guys stay like they, they were set up to have the rock. Like they were not like really even hypothetically, sorry, my microphone fell over. Not even really hypothetically. They were set up that 88, 89 season to have on the roster, Rex Chapman, uh, Chris Mills, uh, LaRon Ellis, Sean Kemp and Eric Manuel. And all those guys, you know, younger folks won't even necessarily be like, wow, by hearing those names, but, to put in context, they were all five high school All-Americans. I think four of them were McDonald's All-Americans, and one of them was a Parade All-American. Basically five five-star kids. Yeah. Um, and, like, really high-end. These were the high-end dudes. I mean, and Eric Manuel what... went on to win two national championships in NAIA. Yeah, He's a name you probably go, Eric Manuel. Who? Yeah. Well, because uh, you know for... Rex Chapman, and you know, you know Sean Kemp. And for 30 uh, years, Chris Mills had the only triple-double in school history, and he got it as a freshman at Kentucky. Uh, and, and went on he, to have a nice career at, at um, Arizona. Yeah, became a first-round pick, averaged 20 points a game at Arizona. Um, yeah. Ron Ellis started for two years at Syracuse. It was a loaded – it would have been a ridiculous lineup. But Kenny yeah, Walker I mean, the front if, court with LaRon Ellis and Sean Kemp. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, Good well, and Eric grief. Manuel. Wasn't Eric Manuel like a 6'10 yeah. kid? Uh, um, no, he was um, – he was a wing. He was, he oh, was I don't right. think he was 6'10". He was like 6'5", um, something like that. But Kenny Walker basically said, like, if, if that team had been together, they would have rivaled the 96 team. Because then you also had the unforgettables, like, coming off the bench uh, and <laughs> right. some other guys. And you also had um, you also had Reggie Hansen, who was an all-SEC oh, yeah. player, um, who was on that ride. I talked to him for the story as well. Um, and he, you know, he said that Reggie Hansen said, like, you just knew a guy like Sean Kemp was going to, was going to lead us to a national championship. Um, mm. one of the best quotes I thought there, there are a couple that I'll, that I'll read from the story and hopefully people will go check it out. It, and tons of people are, it is uh, blown up, which has been cool to see. Um, let's see. 
Well, I love who you talk to. I'll just tell you that while you're looking up that quote. I mean, being able to talk to Jimmy Dykes, who was an assistant during that time, having talked to Sean Sutton, I mean, talking to Kenny Walker, talking to John Pelfrey. I mean, obviously it would have been nice if, if Sean Kemp would have talked to you, which you explained, you know, it, nobody gets to talk I to I tried him for months and he just doesn't talk to people, so. But, um, um, no, so many different perspectives on it uh, was great. Yeah, so that, this quote from, from Pelfrey I thought was awesome. And he said, playing at Kentucky, there is a weight, a pressure, an unspoken question. How are you and your team going to stack up against the history here? With him, we thought we knew the answer. Without him, I think most of us had a real awareness that it could be devastating. Uh, yeah. So that was one of the really good quotes. And then the other one, uh, I'll, I'll read the last quote of the story, uh, and I'll set it up by telling sort of the crux of what the story turned out to be. Um, which was the reason Sean Kemp uh, was gone and never played. You know, people, a lot of people don't even realize, younger people don't even realize Sean Kemp was here probably. Right. It was just for a couple months. Is in October of 2018 while he was sitting out, two gold chains went missing from Sean Sutton uh, at the lodge, the coach's son, Eddie Sutton's son, and point guard on that team. Uh, and they filed a police report. Uh, and because they filed a police report, it triggered a, everybody to, be on the lookout at pawn shops in the area. And Sean Kemp turned up at a local pawn shop to ship, to sell those gold chains. And so he was branded as a thief and gone without anybody ever really talking to him again. And that's all anybody has really thought about Sean Kemp ever since is that he stole from a teammate and that's why he was gone. And, yeah, when I called- and at the time in 1988, I mean, when this happened, uh, all throughout the state, I mean, in schools, in, you know, everybody throughout the state, it was, well, sh- this is Sean Sutton's fault. They're blaming Sean Sutton or Kemp's a thief. That that was how this was. It was, it was, it was split. You, you either Sean Sutton made this happen somehow or framed him or screwed it up, you know, because he was Eddie Sutton's son and that kind of thing. Right. Or it was Sean Kemp's a thief. And yeah. th- that's how it was at the time. Yeah, and that's been kind of the narrative for 30 years. So I called up Sean Sutton, and he said, I've never talked about this. I never wanted to talk about this before, but I think it's time people know the truth. And he basically said, I don't think Sean took the gold chains. Uh, He and other people that I talked to for this story all kind of agreed that it was someone else, and they were all fairly certain of this. Nobody wanted to name names, but that it was someone else. And that someone else um, basically talked a young, gullible, malleable Sean Kemp into selling them on their behalf without telling them who they came from. Sean Sutton said, I do not believe he knew they were mine or he wouldn't have done it for sure. Uh, or even if he knew they were, didn't even know if he knew they were stolen, but he, he was just convinced that Sean Kemp did not in fact take these uh, gold chains. And so there's, and it seems plausible, right? You could see a young kid, uh, you know, a kid just right out of high school in college, doesn't have a lot of money and somebody come, you know, that he knows or is, is around knows well enough. Someone older than you in school that, you know, respect or all the guys around you respect. And he says, Hey, rookie do this. Yeah. Cause I can't do it. I I can't do it for whatever reason. I I can't do it. But if you do it, look, I'll cut you in a hundred bucks, 200 bucks, whatever. You know, I'll split it with you 60, 40 or something. Oh, sounds like a good deal. One of the points Reggie Hanson made was like, let's say he did even steal it. Like, why in an age when there wasn't social media and it wouldn't have necessarily blown up into this huge thing? Like, why couldn't we have just handled this internally and kept him here, you know, helped him and taught him, you know, 
a better way. So that's all interesting. And then, so the quote I'll leave people with is at the end of the story, I, I asked Sean, I said, have you ever, I mean, did you talk to him before he left? And everybody said, no, they don't, nobody remembered even having a chance to talk to Kemp between when it, you know, he got popped at the uh, pawn shop and when he was packed up and gone other than, uh, Jimmy Dykes saying he just knew it was wrong. Jimmy Dykes lived in the in the lodge back then. It was one of his hit one of his duties as assistant to watch a talent like Sean Kemp walk out the door. Um, and didn't Dykes say this was above Eddie Sutton's head? Yeah, he said that the decision was above them. So, you know, I don't know if it was university policy or or what, you know, who made that decision. Uh, but uh, of course, you know, it was all happening under the specter of what was, you know, NCA investigation and probably probation. And they, I would imagine there were probably some people at the university yeah. that just said, if we got a thief, let's not add that to the list uh, of <laughs> yeah. problems. Um, so they never talked. And I asked Sean, what, what would you say to Sean Kemp if you could talk to him? And he said this, he said, I would say, I'm sorry for the way things, uh, the way everything turned out. I would say that I know he was a young kid who got talked into something that I know he didn't take my stuff that I feel bad about how it ended at Kentucky and the things he probably had to deal with after that people questioned his character. Can we trust somebody like this? I took great satisfaction over the years in seeing him regroup and overcome and go on to have great success in the NBA. But if I could, I would tell him that I'm sorry. And I thought that was, yeah, you know, I thought that was pretty powerful and, um, I hope Sean Kemp read it or reads it, you know? Uh, yeah. One of the things I probably will do at some point is send it to his agent who had, we thought at one point had set up an interview and then Sean just kind of no showed, but, uh, and everybody I talked to said, he's just totally a recluse these days. He, no one knows how to get a hold of him. Uh, wow. But I would imagine reading something like this about yourself, um, you know, when you think about all these years later after a pretty hurtful event, in your life, uh, mm -hmm. I don't know, might be, might heal some of those wounds. Uh, yeah. and I think it'd be cool just for him to hear what people said about it. You know, what his old teammates said about how much they wanted to play with him and how much they've thought over the years about what it would have been like to play for play with him. And to hear Sean say that, like Sean said, he hasn't Sean, Sean, Sean Sutton saying that he hadn't spoken to him since that yeah. incident. So, so he hasn't had the chance to tell him that. Who else hasn't spoken to him, you know? Probably so, none of them. I mean, yeah. Rex has. Rex, I think they became friends in the NBA and and all that. But, uh, yeah, pretty crazy. Wow. Well, great work. Really. Um, Thank you, brother. Really enjoyed reading that. Uh, what do you got on tap for us next? Uh, you working on anything big? <sighs> Fun? No, I should be. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I might take a few days off next week. Uh, whenever harms makes his decision if he yeah, picks Kentucky have we'll have something on that and like I said have something up on top and right now uh, Brett Dawson and I did a long uh, Q&A back and forth that's up on the site at the athletic now um, just sort of a basically like a running conversation we created a Google document and just like typed back and forth at each other some thoughts and questions that we threw out there and then tried to answer about how uh, this G League thing will affect Kentucky and, and what Calipari may do sort of as his next evolution in recruiting and trying to manage that. So that's up there as well. All right. Well, I should also uh, tell you guys to make sure you check out the locked on NFL mock draft. Just 
Tell your smart device to play the latest episode of Locked On NFL. They've got this mock draft they're doing. The way it works is all 32 teams have a Locked On podcast, like part of the Locked On podcast network. There is a Locked On podcast for all 32 NFL teams. So each of those podcasts serves as the team representative in the draft. So it's not them saying, well, here's who I think, or some expert or something saying, here's who I think uh, the you know the Raiders will take in the first round, whatever. It's the actual Raiders locked on guys going, everything we know about the Raiders, here's who I would like to see them take, here's who they might take. And then you have um, breakdowns of, of all the players as well. I mean, it's really well done. They spent a lot of time putting it together, and I'm sure uh, you will hear Lynn Bowden mentioned in there somewhere. Uh, maybe even uh, Stenberg, Logan Stenberg as well, because uh, they go through the first two rounds. But this week is the first round, and so today's podcast, Locked On NFL, should have, I guess, the third part of the first round, and then next week I think they get into the second round. But anyway, go check it out. Uh, in the meantime, follow us on Twitter. I am at D-R-I-E-F-F-E-R. Kyle is at Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. Hit us up if you have any ideas, questions you want us to talk about here on the podcast. We'll do it. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a great weekend. You are locked on Kentucky. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcast Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea.